Good evening, good evening. We're so glad you're here tonight, and we invite you to take a copy of God's Word and turn to the book of John uh, as we begin reading in chapter 13. Book of John, chapter 13, and tonight I'm going to do a little audible. I think we said I was only going to go through verse 30, but we're going to go through, I think, verse 38 tonight because it's really all connected. Book of John, chapter 13. We'll begin reading with verse 18. Uh, so a couple of people ask me a question. Usually when more than one person asks me a question, I sometimes answers them, answer them. Uh, I mentioned this morning, uh, the sermon I, was, I did this morning, I did the same transcript I, I used 2003. And somebody, a couple of people say, well, I have in my Bible, you did that in 2014. Uh, no, I preached on the passage. Well, you're someplace 20 years, you preach on passages over and over. So I, I actually, see, I keep up with this. No one else does. No, but uh, I actually preached that 2003. Uh, I did it 2007 and 2014, that passage. But the sermon this morning actually did come from 2003. I can't find my car keys in the morning, but I know what I preach, and I keep records. But anyway, that, that was a question. So, yeah, I, did, I have preached the text, but as far as the sermon, I know y'all don't care. I can, I can tell. That's the sad part. Thank you. All right. Uh, John chapter 13. Let me, let me tell you what's taking place. We're studying the book of John. We have just seen how Jesus has had the Lord's Supper. He gets up and he begins to wash the feet of the disciples, knowing that one of them is going to betray him. In fact, he even made a comment to Peter that there's someone here that's really not saved. And now we pick up the story. John chapter 13, beginning in verse 18. I do not speak of all of you. I know the one I have chosen, but it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. From now on, I'm telling you before it comes to pass so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. And truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. And when Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me. And the disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know which one he was speaking. There was reclining on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And so Simon Peter gestured to him and said to him, Tell us who it is of whom he is speaking. And he, leaning back thus on Jesus' bosom, said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus then answered, that is the one of whom I shall dip the morsel and give it to him. And so when he had dipped the morsel, he took and gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And after the morsel, Satan then entered into him. And therefore Jesus said to him, what you do, do quickly. Now, no one at those reclining at the table knew what purpose he had said this to him. For some was supposing, because Judas had had the money box, that Jesus was saying to him, buy the things that we need of for the feast, or else that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately, and it was night. And therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Little children, I am with you a little while longer, and you will seek me. And as I said to the Jews now, I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. 
and that you also love one another. And by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me later. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, tonight as we open your word, Father, as we look at this passage, help us, Father, to see what's taking place. Father, let us visualize it in our minds. But also, Father, as we're doing that, help us ask the question, who are we? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is one of those strange passages if you think about it. For three and a half years, Jesus has been with the disciples. He's poured his life into these men. They are following him. They love him. He's taking the, the Passover meal with them. And while he's taking the Passover meal, he turns to them and says to them, one of you will betray me. Now, did you notice they didn't say, well, it must be Judas? They started wondering, is it one of us? In fact, in one of the gospel accounts, they actually said, Lord, is it I? Meaning, is it me? Imagine for three and a half years, you have been with someone that you love with all of your heart, and you're surrounded by friends that you love, and and you, you thought we will never separate, and we're together, and then you find out one of them is going to betray. One of them is going to walk away. And so in our story tonight, there's actually two men I want to focus on tonight, two men on a track to portray Jesus. Two men. One is going to betray him that night, and then another is going to betray him again that night in a different way. Two men on a track to portray Jesus. One will do it one time, another will do it three times. And yet both are different. Both have issues. But they're going to betray Jesus. One is full of pride, the other is full of pretense but they're going to portray Jesus. And so tonight, I want us to look at the pretense of, of Judas and the pride of Simon. And when you look at them, they really look like polar opposites. And yet, on this night, they're both going to betray him. In every list of the apostles mentioned in the Gospels, Peter is always mentioned first, which means he is the leader. And every list always mentioned Judas last. And yet, on this night, They're both going to betray Jesus in some way. But when Jesus said, one of you will betray me, he's talking about Judas. But if you're going to look at Judas, you've got to look at Peter. So with that in mind, let's look at the story. Look at, first of all, Judas, who was guilty of spiritual pretense. I mean, here's Judas. He appeared to be a false friend. Later on, he's going to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Later on in our our series, I will tell you what that meant and, and why that took place. But I want you to notice in in this story, after Jesus said, one of you will betray me, uh, verse 21, when Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. 
Now, that Greek word, uh, troubled in spirit, means in anguish. Jesus is hurting. It means to be stirred up. It means to be disturbed. It means to be almost in a confusion. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. He is sovereign. He is the divine, but he still has human emotions. And so now he's about to tell the disciples that he is troubled in spirit. He he is concerned with, with his emotions about what's about to take place. And he makes this statement that would be one of the most difficult pronouncements you can imagine when he says to them in verse 21, truly I say to you, truly, truly I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they couldn't understand. In verse 22, the disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know which one he was speaking. I mean, keep that in mind. No one knew it was Judas. The difficulty of this, they, they couldn't understand Again, in, in the book of Matthew, in the book of John, we, we see this, this conflict in their lives saying, well, who is it? And they start wondering, well, maybe it's us. Maybe it's one of us. Jesus said, I want you to know one of you will betray me. And the reason he said that, we find later on, is because the Scripture said it. Back in verse, 20, verse 18, I do not speak of all of you. I know that one, the ones I have chosen, but it is that that the Scriptures might be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted his heel against me. From now on, I'm telling you before it comes to pass, so that when it does occur, you may believe that I am he. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? He's telling the disciples, look, one of you is going to betray me, and it's been pro, uh, predicted in the Scripture. The Bible says it's going to happen. And I'm telling you this now because when it does happen, you're going to remember I told you it was going to happen, and you're going to remember I told you it's according to Scripture. And so when it does happen, you will remember that I am God. I am He. I am. And so He knew the Scripture predicted someone. And by the way, we, you know, we always say G, that Judas betrayed Jesus. But technically, to betray someone, you didn't see it coming. You think about it. I mean, if you thought someone was going to betray you, then they couldn't betray you. I mean, no normal person is going to marry someone that they will know will cheat on them. No boss is going to hire someone that they know that's going to steal from them. You don't do that. That's when you are betrayed, when you don't know it's coming. But Jesus knew it was coming. Jesus knew all things. And so you see, Jesus said, I want you to understand, this has been predicted in the Old Testament. And so he quotes Psalm chapter 41, verse 9, even my familiar friends of whom I trust, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. There are other passages in Scripture talking about this event. Zechariah in chapter 11 writes these words in beginning of verse 12. And I said unto them, if you think good, give me my hire, and if not, forbear. So they weighed for my hire 30 pieces of silver. And Jehovah said to me, cast it into the potter, the godly the goodly price that I was prized at by them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them upon the potter in the house of Jehovah. 600 years before this event, God said, I will be betrayed. And I will be betrayed for money. And I will be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And that 30 pieces of silver is going to be cast on the floor at the potter's house potter's field hundreds of years before this night it was predicted and Jesus knew it was going to happen 
So don't think that Jesus made a mistake. Don't think Jesus made an error. How dare Jesus pick Judas? Didn't he see it coming? He knew exactly what was going to happen. This was part of God's plan. But yet Judas had free choice. Jesus never forced Judas to do this. Judas had free choice. He had uh, the option of not betraying Jesus. In fact, go back and read the gospel's account how many times Jesus gave him an opportunity not to do it. In chapter 6 of the book of John, there's an announcement of his betrayal a year earlier. He told them a year earlier, somebody's going to betray me. In a few moments, I want to show you that Judas is seating is seated at the place of honor at the Lord's Supper. In chapter 13, we see Jesus washing the feet of all the disciples, including Judas. In John chapter 13, he appeals to Scripture in Judas' presence. In John chapter 13, he, he again, talks about he's going to be portrayed in Judas' presence. Anytime Judas could change his mind. He identified of Judas in the presence of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26 giving the morsel, again, as an opportunity, giving him something. It was an opportunity for Judas to say, I can't do this. Then he actually sent Judas to say, if you're going to do it, do it quickly. He could have stopped there. And then later on, when Judas comes to the garden, remember what Jesus called him? He called him friend. You go back and look at all these stories. Jesus over and over and over and over was trying to get Judas not to do this, to give him a choice. But Judas, Judas chose to betray Jesus. Now, in that day, if you were going to eat at a table, they, not like our tables today, the tables were, were very low, and, and so you would have pillars, and you would be, be on the floor leaning. Your feet would be out. That's how come Mary could wash Jesus' feet. And, and then you would use, you'd lean on one arm, and you'd take the other hand, and you would eat. The order of the way the people sat around the table was very important. And so it, we find in, in, in John chapter 13, verse 23, it's John who's on the right side of Jesus. He is one leaning on Jesus' bosom. Now, John never mentions his own name. Uh, in the book of John, we've talked about that before. He always said, the one whom Jesus loved, the one whom Jesus loved. John is too embarrassed to say, it's me. I, I, I'm the one, you know, he really liked it a lot. I would have said it. I would have said, hey, it's me. He liked me best. No, I would not. But, but John is humble. But Judas had to be on Jesus' left side because Jesus gave him the morsel. In that time period, the one on the left side was the place of honor. The one on the right side is the place of affection. The one on the left side is the place of honor. Jesus reserved the honored guest for Judas. So here's Jesus. He's reclining. There's John. There's Judas. John is leaning on Jesus, says, get in the custom. And, and Peter is trying to get John's attention. So G Peter must be on the other side. It's usually a U-shape. And there's Peter. John. Hey, John. And you just know that's how Peter lived. He had to know everything. Verse 24, Simon Peter gestured to him. Now, now that word means uh, to nod, to wink, or something. Hey, 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 come over here. Got his attention, and he whispered, who? Who's going to do this? Verse 24, tell us who it is at whom he's speaking. So John leans back, verse 25, and asks Jesus, Lord, who is it? And Jesus said, the one whom I, I 
dip this morsel and give it to him. And then he takes the morsel, he dips it, and gives it to Judas. He's sitting at the honored guest place. Verse 30, so after receiving the morsel, he went out immediately. And it was night. By the way, John loved light and darkness throughout this gospel. It was night, literally, but it was also night in Judas' mind. Now, this made no sense to the disciples. Again, look what it says. Verse 28, now, no one of those reclining at the table knew what purpose he had said this to him because Jesus just told him, go, whatever you got to do, go do, do quickly. They had no idea. In other words, they did not know it was Judas. I know I keep saying that, but I want you to understand, they had no clue it was Judas. Verse 29, they were supposing because Judas had the money box. Okay, stop there. He's the treasurer. If you don't trust people, you don't make them the treasurer. They trusted Judas. They had no idea that it's Judas who's going to betray him. Even after he got up and he left, they had no idea. It made no sense to them. The Bible says, so after immediately receiving the morsel, he went out immediately and it was night. Does this make sense? Jesus, Judas, one of the 12. I want you to think about this. Judas was trusted. Again, he was the treasurer. He may have been the most respected of the apostles because he was elected treasurer. Again, you don't pick the shady person to keep the money. He was religious. I mean, you go back and look at the story of the Gospels. He did everything he was supposed to do religiously. I mean, like the other disciples, he followed Jesus. From the other disciples, he learned from Jesus. He even stayed behind in the book of John chapter 6. Remember, he stayed behind the feeding of the 5,000. Remember that? He, He stayed behind to help. He said, I'm going to follow you. But Jesus said in John chapter 13, he was never saved. He followed Jesus externally, but internally he never followed Jesus. He believed that Jesus was the Messiah intellectually, but he did not trust him in his heart. Not only that, Judas was a worker. You know, the Bible says that all the apostles went out in Mark chapter 6. It says though the 12, including Judas, went out and preached that people should repent. Judas was a preacher of the gospel but he wasn't saved. Judas was a miracle worker. In Mark chapter 6, verse 7, 13, he says, and he called the 12 unto him and began to send them forth two by two, gave them power, gave them power over unclean spirit. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. He was part of the 12. The Bible said they all did it. He preached the gospel. He did miracles, but he didn't know Jesus. There's a warning here for us tonight, and there's a warning for those of you online. You can do all the work of a Christian and not be saved. You you can come to church. In fact, you can preach the message and not be saved. That's the lesson we learned from Judas. I mean, we we know a person whose life is, is marked by wickedness can't be saved, but the opposite is not true. You can live a good life and do a lot of good works and still be lost. That happened to Judas. 
It is possible to look the part and still be lost. That's why when Jesus said, I still think the scariest verse in the Bible in Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus said, many in that day will say unto me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and your name cast out demons and do, been, done many wonders in your name? And I would declare to them, depart from me, I did not know you. It is possible to look the part and miss out. And there is Judas in that room. In, in, in verse 27, we, we find as, as he's, he's talking at the Jesus that Satan entered into him. Now, he's not talking about demonic possession. Okay, he's not. What he's talking about is at that moment, Judas has allowed everything in Satan to come in him. In other words, Judas has been thinking about this. He's planning this. We're going to talk about this later in the series. He's planning this, thinking about it. At that moment, he relaxed, and he just let Satan take over. The plans of Satan took over at that moment. And Jesus, remember, everything sovereign to God, this was the right time of this to happen for everything to take place the rest of the night. Because if Judas didn't go out now, he would not have had time to betray Jesus. Jesus would not have been arrested in the garden he had to do it at this very moment. For Jesus to be crucified, when he was crucified, Judas had to leave at that moment. And within hours of this conversation, both Jesus and Judas will be dead. Judas will be dead by suicide. Jesus will be dead by sacrifice. Matthew chapter 27 said that Judas went out and hanged himself. Acts chapter 1 verse 25 implied he went to hell because he'd never been saved. Meanwhile, Jesus, who people thought was the victim, was not the victim because he laid down his life for us. And they beat him, crucified him, and he died. They put his body in a borrowed tomb. Three days he laid there until the third day when Jesus came out of the grave. Judas was pretense. But there's another person in this story, and that's Peter. And Peter had pride. After Judas left, I want you to look what Jesus said in verse 34. He's talking to the disciples. Judas has left. He's, and Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, and you also love one another. Now, you say, wait a minute. How is this a new commandment about love? Because in the Jewish tradition, they, they said you love, your, you love your neighbor. They just never define neighbor. But Jesus said, love one another, everyone. In the Jewish tradition, they said, love as you love yourself. But Jesus said, I want you to love as I love you. In the Jewish tradition, they said love based upon the covenant. Jesus said, I want you to love because they're your family. You see, in the Jewish belief, they, there was this relationship between Israel and God. But in Jesus, said, I want you to love everyone. And so he said, I'm giving you a new commandment. I want you to love everyone as I have loved you. In fact, they're going to know you belong to me because of your love. And if they don't see your love, then you really don't belong to me. So this really becomes a badge for us. 
Do people see us loving one another? The people at your work, the people at your school, the people in your neighborhood, the people in your family, do they see love in your life? If not, maybe something's wrong, or maybe you need to learn how to to love, develop it. But Jesus said, I want you to love one another. It's a new commandment. And so then Peter asked a question. Now, you would have assumed, Peter would have said, hey, Lord, tell us more about this love. No. Peter said in verse 36, hey, Lord, where are you going? Peter, I just told you to love one another, and you're concerned about where I'm going. Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where I go, you cannot follow me. Now you will follow me later. In other words, hey, Peter, it's okay. You can't follow me where I'm going. Trust me. But Peter can't let it go. So Peter says in the next verse, Peter says to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go where you can't follow me. In other words, I'm going to go to the cross and die and be buried and come back. And Peter says, well, why can't I follow you? Because you can't. And so Peter says, I can. And not only that, he says, I will lay down my life for you. In in fact, the other uh, gospel account said that others may leave you. He, He threw them under the bus. He said, I will lay down my life for you. Not like these guys. But I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus said, Peter, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. You see, pride is terrible. Because when you have pride, you will never admit your weaknesses. Pride is the sin that blinds people to to it. You see, when you have pride, everyone else knows you have that sin, but you don't see your sin. There are plenty of warnings in the Bible about pride. Pride comes before the destruction. Pride comes before the fall. And Peter had pride. And here's the good news. We'll see it again later in the series. Jesus doesn't give up on us when we fail. You notice that? Jesus knew Peter would betray him too. Jesus knew Peter would deny him too. But Jesus knew Peter would bounce back. He knew it. In fact, in the book of Luke, chapter 22, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when you have turned back, the word is repent, you need to strengthen your brothers. Jesus already told Peter, Peter, Satan wants to take you and shake you up, and you're going to fall, but when you repent... You'll come back, and you'll strengthen the rest of the group. I love that. That word, turn back, is repent. See, here's the difference between Judas and Peter. The difference is vast. Judas felt sorry for himself and regretted it, and he cried, and then he killed himself. Peter repented of his sin, and Jesus restored him to the place of leadership. We can learn a lot from failure. We're all going to fail at something, okay? Listen, every one of us fails. I, I, I love the story uh, in the early days of IBM. Tom Watson was the CEO, and he had a junior executive involved in the company. He had a risky business venture, venture and he lost $10 million. Okay, I get upset when I lose a dollar in a Coke machine. So this guy loses $10 million, and Tom Watson called him to his office and 
the junior executive goes in there and said, well, I guess you're going to fire me. And Tom Watson, the, the CEO, said, fire you. Why would I do that? We've just spent $10 million educating you. And he's right. The guy never did that kind of mistake again. We all fail. And if you learn from it, you grow and you help others. I mean, the Bible is filled with people who mess up. Abraham, he lied twice about his wife. Jacob, he lied to his dad. He cheated out of his brother. Jacob was a con man. I mean, that, he was a con artist. Moses, he committed murder. David committed adultery and murder. I mean, you go through the Bible, you see all these characters who fail, and then God restores them through forgiveness after they repent. Judas messed up, but never repented. Peter messed up, repented, and became the leader of the disciples. That's why Jesus came to the cross. Because every one of us, we're going to mess up. We're going to say something, do something. We're going to hurt people we love. We just do it. The question is, what do you do after that? Do you go feel sorry for yourself? Or do you go to the cross? Say, Lord, I'm sorry. And I repent. I agree with you. Will you forgive me? Maybe you're here tonight, maybe you're watching online that you've messed up, but you have never come to Christ in the first place. Well, today's the day. For those of you watching online, if you want to give your life to Christ, it's very simple. It's as simple as ABCs. A, you admit you're a sinner. You say to God, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. I have messed up. B stands for believe. You believe that Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, died on a cross for your sins. You believe that he died, he was buried, and on the third day he arose, sitting at the right hand of God. And C stands for confess. Confess simply means I agree with you, God. It means I give you everything. I'm holding nothing back. I give you everything. Will you come into my life? If you would make that decision, if you're online, if you would text the word today at 270-398-5005. We've already heard a testimony. We will call you to see what your, your question is. But if you're here tonight and you would like to make that decision, you can do it in a few moments as we begin singing. I'll be the front. Just come say, I want to give my life to Christ. Or maybe there's a decision you need to make where you're going to be standing in just a few moments. Maybe something between you and God privately, whatever it may be. Please understand, our God sent Jesus to die for us so that we could have peace and joy and eternal life. And he loves us. Would you stand and bow your heads? Our Father, we all mess up. We all make mistakes. But Father, I pray we'll not be like Judas who pretended. And Father, let us not be like Peter at the beginning, full of pride. But Father, let us be like Peter when he says, I will come back to Jesus. I repent. Father, if there's anyone tonight here in person or watching online, who needs to give their life to you in a personal way, let tonight be the night. Father, let them hear your voice, and let them, Father, sense your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.